And we actually ran an A-B test, and this is what I was telling you before we turned the mics on. Um, one ad saying, like, a significant discount, like, you know, 40% discount or something. And another ad, same ad, and just left out that discount. Mm-hmm. It actually got a far higher click-through rate, not putting the discount in. <laughs> because I think at some point, you know, you, you cheapen yeah. your brand. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Ecom Growth Show. Let's go. Oh, I wonder if there's so many mugs on the table. <clears throat> These Rob's really thirsty, dude. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> Who wants to open it? You want me to open Yeah, it? you always open All right. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Econ Growth Show. Today is going to be super exciting and fun because we have Alex Strokey with us. Alex, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me on. <laughs> so Sorry Alex, here. Yeah, man. So Alex is uh, one of our account managers here at Shopanova. And um, today we're going we're gonna to discuss some important metrics in an online store that are oftentimes you know, overlooked. Maybe people don't actually think about them when they should be. And uh, what's cool is you're able to speak to that from personal experience, having worked with the clients that you work with and stuff like that. But before we dive into that, I want to ask a fun question here. Actually, Dan wants to ask a fun question. Let me here. ask this question. <laughs> Alex, what is something you're into this week? What is something I'm into this week? Um, I'm really, it's <laughs> such a nerdy thing. I'm really into Bitcoin right now. Oh, okay. Are you guys into this at all? No. It's, <laughs> I own about a, I own about $100 of Bitcoin. That's it. Okay. It's been on like a tear recently. You know, I'm like a, one of those classic Robin Hood trading bros. And <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, it's just like an interesting technology. It's like one of, one of these stories I've followed for a long time and I, I always tell people I bought it for like a hundred bucks in twenty whatever fourteen, and then sold it for like two hundred. And I thought I was a genius, and now it's like thirteen grand. I was like, I could have retired if I would have just. That would have held on to it. Yeah, exactly. But uh, it's amazing that this it's like hung on this long as an asset class, and it's yeah. starting to get a lot of like institutional um, looks at it. I, I'm a finance guy, so like this is yeah, stuff that I'm excited about. Just gets you going. Yeah. yeah. What about you guys? Something more fun than uh, Bitcoin. Dude, one thing that I've just really been into is um, where I live, there, there's been quite a bit of wildlife wandering into my yard. And uh, so, like, in the morning, we'll wake up and the sun's just coming up. It's just getting light. And, dude, we'll look out in the yard. And the other day, we had six moose in our yard, three of which were bull moose. What? And, dude, they were going crazy. Like, these moose were, were fighting, they were hitting their racks against each other. And, uh, dude, my kids just love that. They eat it up. And now my wife's doing all this research, like, where they're at in their, uh, like, in the rut, like, in their mating season. Like, what behaviors are they doing that she can identify in her research? And so, <laughs> That's you know, we, you weird things kids. like like these moose there. It sounds disgusting, but, like, the bull will go and, you know, pee in this mud hole and then lay down and, like, roll all around it. And then the other moose will go roll around in it, and it's this weird way of them attracting each other and, and putting out the vibe to uh to start mating so i'm pretty what, if, <laughs> what if humans still did that kind of behavior in the rut? i mean that'd be insane oh, yeah man. so so pretty in the mood all right let's go i, I know a couple bars that are like close to that <laughs> yeah, <it's disgusting>. yeah. <laughs> almost that gross uh so guys mine's gonna be a little bit boring but i've been into imagineering this week mm. 
how Disney was made. And it's super interesting just to see their whole journey, but also see behind the scenes of all the theme parks. And I'll just say, I really want to go to Disney now. Have you ever been? I have. I've been to Disney World and Disneyland, but there's like one in Hong Kong, one in Japan, like all over the place that all have different features that yeah. look pretty sick. Nice. Dude, yeah. I want to go to Star Wars land. Ooh, wherever that's that one what, is. There's one in uh, Disney World now that looks super epic. Yeah. Crazy. All right, Rob, pop us off. Get real now. Well, so so anyways, we, we kind of presented the topic to you, Alex, and we're not necessarily going in order of like, this is the most important metric you got to watch as a store. But more just like when we're looking at this whole thing of, you know, using marketing to grow your online store, what are some valuable metrics, some important metrics uh, that people should be looking at and in your experience maybe have overlooked at times? Yeah, absolutely. This is a great question. I, I love this because as an account manager, you're not just you're not just calling them and like managing the ad campaign. These are small businesses. And so you have mm-hmm. to like look at the big picture and like you end up yeah. kind of coaching people through how do you think about marketing how do you think about growing your business mm-hmm. and can i just stop one second right there <laughs> oh, yeah. what you said is so good because a part of your job is like consulting the business as a whole which i don't mm-hmm. think a lot of agencies do because they're hiring us basically to manage their facebook and instagram ads mm-hmm. well if we do that really well and they're falling short in all the other areas of the business it almost looks like we fail as an agency because they're not able to scale holistically and it just mm-hmm. kind of falls apart so i think yeah. that that you're the fact that you're coming in and consulting them on different aspects of their business is pretty massive yeah dude and it's so easy to get into a, a frame of mind where you're only focusing on what feels the most threatening like a lack of sales and so you you just put like everything you can into launching ads getting sales and stuff like that but if you if you have an inability to look at the big picture it's only going to last for so long and maybe you'll get at the end of a growth of a growth spurt or a spike in sales or something if you don't have your ducks in a row like it's going to be hard to sustain a low period until you hit another big um another big spike in sales totally yeah a hundred percent and uh it's like to make a metaphor to fishing, right? Because we know this. Like, <laughs> you can't get fish unless like the crew's got to be fed, like the nets got to come in and out, the boat's got to work. Like, yeah. if any of those things aren't working, you're not going to catch fish, right? Mm-hmm. And so, whatever we might be hired as the net experts or something, right? It's uh-huh. a limited metaphor, but but you got to look at you know we might be hired to you know run Facebook and Instagram ads, but sometimes you do have to look at the whole thing, and it's like if something's not working somewhere else, um, then you're not going to get that growth. And so, totally. you know, you don't want to shift blame onto the client, like, well, yeah. the, the ads are working, but your thing isn't. But like, sometimes you do have to look at, okay, mm-hmm. you know, what items are you selling? Like, what are your margins? Yeah. Um, is the pricing correct? Like, you got to, you know, what's the conversion value on the website? Like, mm-hmm. is there something messed up in the process there? You got to look at it holistically. Totally. Yeah. Dude, one of the most frustrating things I've experienced personally is when I've hired somebody to come in consult me on our agency and be a business coach is um, sometimes if the strategy they've rolled out for me doesn't work, the next best, the next best thing for them is to like say I'm falling short in another area or like piling one more thing on that I should try to do. Mm-hmm. And so I think there's a difference between what, what we do when we're holistically consulting them, being their biggest advocate and helping them get a, uh, 
a frame of mind on on the big picture. It's not like we're saying we're, we're not trying to do blame shifting, but that happens. Yeah. That happens in that's something online stores need to be careful about when they are hiring an agency is like one, one of the ones we hear from prospects all the time is it's like, I was working with this agency. We weren't getting results, but it seems like every time I checked in with them, they had something to blame. Like Facebook changed their algorithm and they need to like, write it out but that doesn't happen like every two weeks and, and they just have all yeah. these common things where the agency is blaming some external force on the lack of results but i'm just trying to point out that this is entirely different you still need to be able to point out things that may not be working and together create a picture of what's going to work for that online store mm-hmm. absolutely and then you know to your point about metrics i mean when you're looking at facebook ad campaigns a lot of things you're looking at is return on ad spend, right? Um, that's a cash flow metric to me. It's mm-hmm. it's how much money are you getting back in a short window of time, mm-hmm. and that's a cash flow metric based on revenue too. Mm-hmm. And it leaves out um, a lot of different metrics. So I, one big one that I'm into is uh, average order value is mm-hmm. is uh, one that I'm starting to question a lot. Mm-hmm. One of my clients recently, it's a higher end women's boutique out of Uh, the Midwest, you know, we started the strategy of, because it's higher end, they would have, their online store had about half the average order value as an Mm. in-store customer. And that was kind of like an assumption that that is what was going to happen when we launched the ad campaign. And uh, we started by trying to attract customers with sort of lower end products, like here's the accessible one, thinking if you bring them into uh, the business that they're going to start shopping more expensive stuff eventually. Mm-hmm. And uh, what we found was, you know, they kind of struggled along at a, you know, one times return. They're like maybe getting their money out of it. Um, but they were, they're a small boutique and they had low stock and we were just like running ads all the time. And if, you know, a couple items didn't work, they were really struggling. Mm-hmm. Um, one change that we made was how can we get this average order value higher and how can we get people to shop more expensive items? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so they started making videos and ads about our videos and image ads about um, full outfits. Right. Mm -hmm. And we would drop them on like a collection or a new arrival page rather than a specific product. And what that did was women would want to shop the whole look or the whole outfit. And their average order value went up from like $70 online to a hundred dollars to like $250 plus. Damn. I mean, it was, I was shocked by the increase. Yeah, totally. Honestly. And so they're buying a mix of those you know, higher end and lower end items. And it's also a way for the clients to differentiate themselves. You know, they tell their story, they show how they um, will style women, you know, they talk a little bit about their fashion philosophy. And so, you know, thinking of ways to change a little bit of like the marketing strategy, Mm -hmm. not only raise that average order value, but made, you know, their actual number of sales went up too. Totally. Dude. And when you can do that and do that successfully, it just gives you so much more oxygen in your ability to continue investing in ads. Mm-hmm. Like the return on ad spend, like you said, getting it's really a question of cash flow and getting that back in a short amount of time, because there's there's a chance that, you know, even at the lower average order value, if they had the investment to continue putting into the ads, but you know, have the ability to wait for the buyback period. Mm-hmm. Like maybe that customer who did come in at a $70 average order value, maybe they will purchase three or four more times that year. And it will like at the end of the year, 
become like a, a good profitable thing. But when you can shorten that time period, raise the average order value, raise the return on ad spend, it just gives you such a better ability to be able to continue investing into your ads and grow faster. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we've gone through this a lot in our agency and our own growth of always increasing our average order value, right? I remember when we first started, had our first client, we were charging like $500 a month. <laughs> <laughs> and we very quickly realized that's not sustainable. We can't build a team around that. Yeah. Like we have to uh, increase that. How do we increase that? We come out with a better product or service in our case that people are willing to spend more money on. Mm-hmm. And so through our journey over the years, you know, we went from $500 a month to slowly increasing that, building a better product and service. And now we're able to charge, you know, a really premium price mm-hmm. for a really good service that we provide, but it didn't happen overnight for us. You know, we had to kind of gradually build up and think, you know, what do the customers want? What do they need? How can we make it better? And always improve upon that mm-hmm. to now we're considered a premium agency in the e-com world so and even at a higher retainer it's still a no-brainer because of the results we provide totally and it helped yeah. us like you said almost going like for that e-com store it was attracting higher end customers well it's the same thing for our agency where we're now attracting bigger businesses that will happily pay that to see the growth that we're providing yeah mm-hmm. absolutely i mean there's just a lot of there's 330 million people in america like there's a <laughs> lot of people with a lot of expendable income out there and yeah. You know, I don't think that it's that hard to, to, unless you like really have your business dialed in to chunk up 10, 20% on the average order value. Mm-hmm. You know, you guys mentioned one thing important that's pricing. Like I, we talked about bundling for that customer. Mm-hmm. Um, but just maybe consider raising your prices. Like I have a, a jewelry client who, um, they have kind of like a, in the family, they have another business that sells very, similar product right Mm -hmm. yeah and this is actually kind of a whole story about discounts like i looked at their um family's you know website and i noticed like okay their products are same product 15 percent higher right and and you know my client's offering like a five percent deeper discount and like you know some of the add-on features he's like a little bit less than them and he was just like five to ten percenting himself to death and i'm like look if you compare the exact same product on you know, their website versus yours, like you're, they're actually selling at 40% higher, like one of your most wow. popular products, Damn. you know, and I'm trying to you know tell them like, you're, you're worried about a 5% increase in price. Like people won't pay it, but you know, they will. And, and we actually ran an AB test and this was, what I was telling you before we turned the mics on um, one ad saying like a significant discount, like, you know, 40% discount or something. And another ad, same ad and just left out that discount. Mm-hmm. It actually got a far higher click through rate, not putting the discount in mm-hmm. because I think at some point, you know, you, you cheapen yeah. your brand. You can, I mean, you does. talk about 500 bucks a month for an e-com agency, like what we do, you know, it's not worth it. Yeah. You know, if someone told me they would do something for really, really cheap, I'd go like, eh, I don't know. Why is it so cheap? <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And totally. at the, at the e-commerce world, there's so much junk out there and shoppers are really sophisticated. And so if, if, if you're like trying to compete with somebody who's outsourcing products from like AliExpress or something, and it's like this counterfeit of a real product, they're going to put you in that group with them and they're not going to touch your stuff. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. that's a really cool story about, you know, pretty much the exact same product. Only difference is the price point, maybe like some brand momentum, some longevity and stuff there. 
but I think you're you're definitely right. And if you go too low on price, it's actually going to like have people um, have like red flags going off mm-hmm. and say like, well, is this really what I want? Is this really high quality? Price wars too are always a race to the bottom, you know. Yeah. If you can be cheaper than the next guy, he'll be cheaper than you and it just yeah. race to the bottom. Yeah. But if you can distinguish yourself as selling really good products, uh, having really good return policies, shipping policies, all these things, uh, people are gonna be more likely to trust you and shop with you and mm-hmm. spend more, you know, pay more for your product. Yeah. yeah. I, I think people online think in this tor- terms of like neighborhood um, idea. And what I mean by that is like, it, okay, it, if you have two competing businesses and they're right next door to each other, like it's really easy for that person to go over to the next mm. one and look at it. But yeah, you'd think it'd be that easy online, but like in these small and medium sized e-com companies, I think that, you know, like these aren't big brand names. And so people don't necessarily like right. shop so close, you know, they, they don't, they can't necessarily compare the prices that easy. So they're not going to be like, yours is $5 cheaper. I'm going to go with you. It's like, if you present the product in the right way through Facebook and Instagram ads and you get them into your business, like they'll be your loyal customer. I don't, yeah. not every yeah, single one of them like is just can, trying to get 10% off. Yeah. And these businesses are pretty unique where you can't like just go to Amazon too and find it for cheaper on there. So yeah. like, I think once you have them in, you're going to, you're going to get them if you have a good product. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's more, it's easier than ever to find things online, but it's also like, so vast there's so yeah. much information there's so many products that mm-hmm. it's a kind of a barrier to finding items so if you have yeah. a unique product or item like you probably have more a little more pricing power than you think mm-hmm. definitely um yeah man that's all really good stuff um w- did you have any any other things that it, it feels like our conversations you're trying to invite people into uh maybe some numbers you're trying to get people to look at that uh, for whatever reason, just kind of get gets pushed to the side. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, this is kind of similar to this, but one thing I'm always looking at is margins. Mm. Uh, it's so frustrating for me to go into a common sold account and week after week see like, wow, we've we're up fifty percent from a revenue standpoint, and like from an ad standpoint, we look like we're doing great, and like the margins. The gross profit is is similar, like mm-hmm. not flat, but it's not growing nearly as much, you mm-hmm. know. And I think you got to really sanity check your product mix, um, especially for clients that have large inventories. Yeah. You know, like you can pick and choose. If you got one item, you know, or very low number of SKUs, you can only sell so many things. But yeah, you know, I try to encourage clients to go for higher margin items, go for higher end items, and like let's test those, you mm-hmm. know. Um, I had one client who is in the arts and crafts space who, uh, you know, we took over their advertising. They were doing it in-house before. Um, they've been doing really great. They have a great business and a, a great product, but they were really focused on the daily deals, mm-hmm. right? And they would mark their items down like 50%. Mm-hmm. And they had great return on ad spend before, probably like a 10x before they worked with Shop Nova. Yeah. Working with us, we have not quite that high but almost but we do not mention the daily deal at all and their margins like actually their business has increased substantially from a profit margin standpoint because they're not just you know selling things that are 50% Mm -hmm. off every day how how receptive are people like when when you're maybe making a suggestion towards hey we actually need to figure out how to increase this average order value or you should maybe consider uh, you know charging a little bit more for this product 
how receptive are people to um, making those changes in their stores? And what are some limiting beliefs that keep people for that, that make people resist those kind of suggestions? Um, I think people are mostly receptive, mm-hmm. you know, I, they're making a big commitment financially into us. They mm-hmm. know that we know what we're doing and they believe in us. So if I have suggestions, they're generally open to taking them. Mm-hmm. Um, have you ever gotten pushback on, uh, you know, suggestions that you make? Yeah, I have. And it, I think it's, I mean, they might just disagree. They might just say, I don't think we could sell this for hire. You know, mm-hmm. personally, I think it's, I try to talk to them about, let's just run a test. Mm-hmm. The beautiful thing about selling online, right, is like you can always just throw a little money in something or you can change the price for a week and we'll know what the conversion rate is like mm-hmm. right away. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and so they're open to that. The other thing is just, I mean, it's mundane, but it's like inertia. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, everybody is really busy yeah. and they're, that's a good idea. You know, maybe I'll do that another time. Yeah. Right? It's like totally. um, talking to clients about apps or something, you know, that's probably the biggest pushback where it's like, okay, well, you know, you get me some more sales and like, let's revisit this yeah. next week, you know, and I'm trying to say like, this will help your marketing efforts. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's probably the biggest pushback that I get. Yeah. It's just, just not prioritizing it, you know, wanting to create some room before making that change, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So before we, we hit record on all this, we were kind of talking about, um, and another thing that you like to look at and in e-commerce, there's always this, uh, you're going to get the best results in, in your funnel out of the middle of the funnel and out of the bottom of the funnel, but nobody, it, it's, it gets a little tricky on like, you can always just put more money top of funnel, but more specifically, you know, what are some ways that people can be getting more leverage out of say a middle of funnel campaign? I know you have some pretty specific ideas on what that could look like. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, middle of funnel, it changes per client. You know, sometimes mm-hmm. it's like a little better than top of funnel. Sometimes it blows it out of the water, mm-hmm. right? When you have a really strong middle of funnel campaign, I think that, um, you know, we'll start with typical warm target audiences like, uh, you know, social engagers, website visitors. Those are the most obvious ones, right? Mm-hmm. When I see a middle of funnel campaign doing really well, you know, the only thing that's limiting it is really the size of that audience, mm-hmm. right? And you you want to then look at how can you expand that warm audience. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And as video has gotten more and more important in Facebook and Instagram advertising, you know, and as it's come, I would say video is king over still images for 80% of my clients, um, you and we're pouring more money into top of funnel, you have this huge video views audience, right? Mm -hmm. And if someone is, if you're making a a 60 second, you know, 120 second video, if somebody's watching half of that, like that (laughs) in the internet age, like that's a lot of somebody's attention Mm -hmm. that you're actually getting. Um, And so I've had a lot of success recently with, for middle funnel audiences that are doing well, expanding that audience, uh, into like 50% video views, mm-hmm. you know, even 25% if they're long enough mm-hmm. and dropping it in there because they know your face and they know your yeah. brand at that point. Um, and it's then a lot, the budget. It's a lot cheaper to get video views than it is to get someone all the way to your site and start retargeting them, right? It's like two, two cents or 10 cents for a good video view. It depends on how much they're watching, but to get someone to your website, it can be like up to a dollar. So essentially for like a 10th of the cost, 
you can build up your like retargeting mm-hmm. audience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're not quite as warm, but it's still like you can really build it up and keep scaling middle and bottom of funnel. Mm-hmm. I actually have some buddies that created this super unique product. They actually invented it. They didn't know anything about Facebook ads, but they're only running <laughs> brand awareness, video views, top of funnel, no retargeting. And they were getting like a 3x return, which just goes to show like if you have a really good product and create the exposure and awareness, like it, it can take off even mm-hmm. if you're not running for like strict strictly conversions. Yeah, absolutely. Dude, and I'm glad you mentioned that because that's another conversation we like to have is there's a lot of like you can overcomplicate this stuff. It's really easy to dissect and overcomplicate things. But at the end of the day, um, for somebody to buy your product, they need to know who you are. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I think it's really easy because there's so many tools available in the online space, so many things available to e-commerce store that are going to stores that are going to incre- incrementally increase um, you know, certain conversion rates, certain values of like average order value, stuff like that. There's like, you can get lost in that stuff pretty easy. Sometimes it's really nice just to, to rewind a little bit and just think about marketing in the pure sense of the word. It's just like getting brand awareness out there, getting people to know who you are. And then yes, there's a nurturing system that happens after that. But like you said, you know, these guys, they're a good business, they have a good product, and as long as people are figuring out who they are, they're going to start to make something happen. Totally. From there, it's it's just a lot of optimization and figuring out how to do that in the most efficient way possible. And that's where agencies like ours are really helpful because we can optimize that and we can take something that's you know not at all profitable, turn it profitable, and scale it. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, like I, I always say, um, this is like a really good topic for one podcast, but not not one that you'd want to like revisit over and over. But Dude, my philosophy on ads and ad campaigns, it's just, it's really simple. Like you just got to get people uh, to know who you are and, and get them to buy and, and just don't overcomplicate it and you'll be good. I think it's easy to get lost for sure. Yeah. So going back to your point, Dan, you know, um, uh, about the video views audience, like yeah. I actually think in some cases video views might be warmer than clicks. And I know hey, that. Hey, hey. Hey, don't disagree. <laughs> don't disagree with me publicly, bro. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's rule number one in the employee handbook. Yeah, exactly. No, I, but I mean, you think about it. You know, I'll click through to a website for a variety of reasons. Like one of them is an accident. You know, my thumb <laughs> slipped and I hit shop now. Um, yeah. that's a click, right? Yeah. Uh, another thing, if I want to do like a quick price check or whatever. I mean, there's a lot of not very engaging reasons you, totally. someone could go to your website. But if someone is sitting and watching 50% of a minute or two minute long video or three minute long video, arguably that is warmer in, in some yeah. cases. So I would, I would just definitely emphasize like, and, and you think about that. how much yeah. information you can communicate and how much value you can provide in a 30 second video, as opposed to like how much information you can give to somebody in, uh, you know, an above the fold, web page like it's a lot of information so in that regard I'd, I'd agree that you know they're learning a lot about this brand they're investing in it you know with their interest and it, it is a warm audience yeah absolutely and they're and they know you like you mm-hmm. you talk about keeping it simple you know and i'm i always tell clients especially the one i talked about with that average order value that jumped from 70 to over 250 mm-hmm. they're uh, not an older couple but middle-aged and it, 
they definitely did not get into the business to like be making cell phone videos, right? I mean, they look at it as this is the millennial TikTok generation. But I'm like, look, you got to get in front of a camera. And like, no, I'm bad in front of a camera. I'm like, it does not matter. Like, Mm -hmm. it shocks me how amateur, like the or not not amateur, but how unhighly produced ads can be. You know, and this is where the internet's going. It's like, you know, TikTok, Twitch whatever barstool sports like twitter personalities like these are they're amateur content creators they're yeah. not polished yeah. um and it's it feels real and people engage with that and so kind yeah. of to your point like keeping it simple yeah is the way to go yeah dude people buy from people and i think as a society right now i think there's a huge craving for authenticity i think people who grew up with a cell phone in their hand just want real connections real relationships real experiences and so i think you know even you know uh unpolished content user-generated content being more likable more clickable i feel like that's the the first step on a wave toward a whole society moving towards authenticity and real experiences because if you grow up in an internet bubble like that just doesn't sustain you as a human right so it's good to be aware of Alex, I know you have some interesting thoughts on how much you should be spending at what at different revenue levels. You know, we have mm-hmm. big clients that are spending a very tiny percentage and it's not making a huge dent in their business. Yeah. But then we have smaller clients spending more than that bigger client and they're seeing aggressive, scalable growth. You want to speak to that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. I think this is just a sanity check thing that every business that's marketing needs to do. Um, and uh, so I had one client and they're doing, you know, a, a, several hundred thousand dollars in revenue a month. And, Mm -hmm. you know, they looked at our ad campaigns and we were doing great. We had like a 10 X in the 30 day window. Like we were doing awesome um, from a turn on ad spend perspective. And they're like, our business isn't growing. And so it always comes down to this (laughs) question. It's like your ads aren't working or, Mm -hmm. you know, you get this attribution question all the time. That's like, are you really doing it? Are we Mm -hmm. doing it? Yeah. And I'm like, well, let's take a step back. How much are you spending on ads? And it turned out it was like, you know, 3%, 4% of the revenue on ads. And, you know, if that, if you're getting a 10 X consistently, which is hard, I, I will, will tell every client, like, don't, if you're depending on a consistent 10 X, like we got to change something, you know, because, yeah. because, you know, your performance is going to fluctuate and this is like particularly hot. Um, you know, you're looking at that's 25, 30% of your revenue, um, every month max that's coming from advertisement and we are hitting current customers and we are. And so it's just not moving the needle as much as they think at that level. So, Mm -hmm. you know, if you're getting a great return on ad spend and you don't feel like your business is growing that much, it's like, you got to really look at how much much you're spending on advertising. And I would, I would up that, you know, significantly. And we scaled them like significantly after that conversation. Yeah. And so we can look at it and we could say, you know, 3% pretty low. Um, I'd be curious to know, you know, maybe as we bring on more guests and more online store owners, like, you know, what feels comfortable for them and their perfect, uh, in their perfect profit and loss statement, like how much are they allocating toward advertising? And, you know, there's a lot to consider as an e-commerce store owner. You got cost of goods sold, you got everything happening with fulfillment and shipping and stuff like that. And so ultimately at the end of the day, that that number, that percentage needs to be determined by the business owner because we don't have all the financial insights that they do as the owner of that business. But mm-hmm. we can look at 3%. And if you're getting a 10, 
10x return on ad spend, we can say, you know, that's that's probably pretty low. And then, you know, just to give a little bit of perspective, Daniel, what what percentage of like overall revenue do we spend on advertising per month? Yeah, we're up to at least twenty percent, but there's some months we've been up to thirty to forty percent. Mm-hmm. So it just it kind of varies, but something you said, you know, what's comfortable to you? Spending a hundred thousand dollars a month on ads is never comfortable to me because you know then it goes to our sales guys and we rely on them closing mm-hmm. and sticking around long term. Like it's always, in my opinion, a leap of faith to start spending that much money, like and yeah. to see the returns. You're not a lot of times not going to immediately see it, but you have to understand the process enough to know like this is going to really help the longevity of my business and it's a long term investment I'm making right now. Mm-hmm. And it might not be instant gratification. A lot of times it is. What's crazy with Facebook advertising and e-commerce, but sometimes so quick, yeah. it's an investment you're making that you're going to see compound over time. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it happens fast, but it doesn't happen in one week. You know, exactly. I mean, it could happen. You can really move the needle over 60 days, like pretty significantly, but mm-hmm. you can't just flip a switch and like double your business. I, I always tell clients, it's like, you know, if one's come in and they start spending a hundred dollars a day on Instagram, Facebook ads, that is our defensive position. That's our validate the funnel level. Mm-hmm. Like you're going to have a really difficult time covering your Facebook ads and our services at that level. Like we mm-hmm. have to get up to, I've, I've always given like kind of 300, 400 at least a day in mm-hmm. order before you're kind of comfortably making money. And if you have a performing ad campaign, like you're actually de-risking I think yeah, by absolutely. scaling up because you're not getting eaten alive by overhead costs. Yeah. If you drop from a, you know, I don't know, a seven X to a four X mm-hmm. or something. I totally. mean, obviously I'm making these numbers up. Not mm-hmm. everybody has this level, yeah. but, um, so trying to get people to think, think like that. Is yeah. Important. And I, I think it's just one of those things that, uh, business owners need to be aware of that. It, it, it goes against human nature to spend more. It feels risky. It feels vulnerable. But like, as you said, Especially if you're paying an agency like us or somebody else, you know, it's really a lot easier to offset costs. And it doesn't even have to be an agency. It could just be like your internal costs here to run your team, to run your fulfillment. Like to offset that, you need to inflate what's happening in marketing and sales to to be able to offset that. But it does, it feels uncomfortable. And so the more you can kind of dig into that and see what that looks like. You know, do do a little test. Start to run some numbers in your head. Like, what happens if I add a couple zeros to my ad spend, and that you know proportionally happens to my sales? You know, what does that do to my overall profit and loss statement? Yeah, um, yeah. This is rent. It's like you know, people think you move online, you don't have the costs associated with a storefront, and that's true. But why do you rent a store on Main Street in your town, or like, mm-hmm. why do you rent a store in Michigan Avenue in Chicago? It's like foot traffic it's people getting in front of you this is the online equivalent of that like you have to get traffic into your your store you know i i try and get people to think like that yeah Um, i'm trying to think you mentioned one thing that's something i'm sure was very insightful about (laughs) it but i forgot (laughs) yeah uh yeah i I don't know dude i i guess at the end of the day when i'm looking at growing if i'm trying to develop a strategy to grow any business the simplest terms i can think of is like um, get more people to purchase, get them to spend more, and get them to purchase more frequently. If you mm-hmm. can do those three things, all those actions compound together, and we've 
We've done um, examples where if you increase even just 25% in those three areas, when they get compounded together, it's actually like 98% in growth because it's growth times growth times growth in three three areas. And then you can almost like double your business with a 25% increase in those three areas. And it's yeah. super easy yeah. to look at that in terms of e-commerce because do 25% better in customer acquisition? Perfect. Do 25% better in average order value? Perfect. And 25% better in um, a repeat purchasers. And you're already on a trajectory to, to double your business. And so... Sometimes it's helpful for me just to like think of things in really simple terms. And you know, at the beginning of this conversation, we talked about always looking at the big picture. And that's one thing that I just so appreciate about you and like some of our other account managers is having the ability to keep people um, focused on the big picture. Because if we go too far down one rabbit hole, we're going to miss the whole point and we're going to start making bad decisions. Guys, we're coming up on our time here, but super enjoyed having you on, Alex. Yeah, yeah. Really good time. Thanks for sharing your thoughts. If you guys enjoyed this episode, share with your friends, rate, review, subscribe, do all the good things, and we'll see you guys next time.